The following podcast is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org. Hey, uh, this morning as we continue the, uh, the, the Broke series, um, today we, we're talking about finances and, and actually really primarily we're speaking about generosity. And so this morning uh, we're going to have a couple of things. We have a, a guest speaker, we have a short video from Irwin. And then I'll share a couple of closing thoughts, and we'll dismiss after that. This morning, uh, Rick uh, Yamamoto, one of the elders at Mosaic, also has uh, spent more than 20 years managing a pension fund of a few million dollars. And so he has a, has a few ideas about how to manage shekels. So please welcome Rick Yamamoto. Hey, thank you. It's fun being here. Uh, I want to read uh, Paul's letter from the, uh, to the Colossian church. He's talking about the Macedonian church, and it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace God gave the churches in Macedonia. They have been tested by great troubles, and they are very poor. But they gave much because of their great joy. I can tell you that they gave as much as they were able, and even more than they could afford. No one told them to do it, but they begged and pleaded with us to let them share in the service for God's people. And they gave in a way we did not expect. They first gave themselves to the Lord and to us. This is what God wants. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for just being able to gather together and experience you. And Lord, I ask that your spirit would fill us completely and Lord, that uh, whatever is distracting us from focusing on you, that you would just remove it. And Lord, that your spirit would just enable us to focus on how you want to speak to us today. And Lord, may you work in our own hearts and have us understand more about uh, an attitude uh, that you would have. And that is an attitude of uh, being generous and, and caring for other people. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Uh, so as I was, uh, this week, I don't know, there's just been different things in terms of, uh, I like to read and uh, I've been getting some aha moments. And it seems like uh, the aha moments I've been getting have been like when I, they're aha and I'm all excited and when I think about it, it's like, wow, I should, I should know that or that should be like self-evident. Uh, but anyway, they're still energizing and exciting. And so when I was thinking about, okay, God and what he's doing in the economy and how it all fits together and so forth. And I know, you know, and being in an investment arena, sometimes you uh, talk to people and they have different ideas on what economic system is best and, you know, how a lot of work works. So I kind of step back and I kind of ask myself, okay, what's going on here? And uh, so then it's just, you know, thinking through, looking at some scripture. And so then it's like, okay, God says that he supplies everything. He blessed us, blesses, blesses us with everything that we have, and we have it because of him. And then what he tells us is we should be generous, we should have an attitude, so that our life and uh, what we earn and our property and so forth uh, belong to him. And so part of that, of belonging to him, we need to return. And the way we return it back to him is that we're generous with other people. And so what we do is we give of our money and our services and so forth to others, and then they're blessed because they're receiving things from God. And then what happens is they in turn do the same thing. 
So what happens is God really what he does is he's got a flow of, uh, that, he's, that he started. And this flow goes from one person to another. And, uh, and so it reminded me that in the parable of the talents and the one person that buried the talent, that God called him wicked and evil. And he called him wicked and evil because he was not participating in the flow of what's going on. And so I thought, okay, that's like, that makes total sense in terms of what God's like, economic system is. And so how does that work? So I'm thinking through how that works. So, um, so it reminded me of a, a verse in Malachi. And the verse in Malachi, I'm going to read from Malachi chapter 3, and starting from verse 8. And it says this, uh, Should a person rob God? But you are robbing me. You ask, how have we robbed you? You've robbed me in your offerings and the tenth of your crops. So curse is on you because the whole nation has robbed me. Bring in the storehouse a full tenth of what you earn so that will be, there will be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord All-Powerful. I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out the blessings you need. I will stop the insects so they won't eat your crops. The grapes won't fall from your vines before they're ready to pick. All the nations will call you blessed because you have a pleasant country. Okay, so what is God saying there? Uh, God's saying, well, look, you know, there's two classes of people. There are people that are generous. They're bringing tithes and offerings to me. Okay, they're participating in the flow. And there are people that are not generous. And those people that are not generous are withholding. And if, if they withhold, then I'm going to, what he's saying, rebuke the devourer in another translation. I'm going to cause the locusts and so forth to come. So, so what does that mean? So somehow God has this extension of when we are generous, he somehow extends what we're doing, okay? And when we're not generous, then he's going to basically consume what we have. And so I'm thinking, well, what, what that means is that God gets his anyway, right? Because it talks about robbing God. So what does robbing mean? Robbing means taking something that belongs to him. So if he says that he, everything we have is because of him, then if we aren't generous, then we're taking from God. And so God says, well, if you take from me, uh, then what I'm going to do, if you, if you don't give back to me, if you just take, take that, then I'm going to basically get it one way or another. So, you know, you kind of decide what you want to do. And so I know that um, there's a passage in the Old Testament that gives an example uh, in terms of the Sabbath. So the Israelites are supposed to devote one day out of the week for him. So one day of seven. Okay, and so they decided for whatever reason they wanted to work. Well, we know the reason they wanted to work because they wanted to get more income, more money. Okay, and so what happened then is that became a habit that became part of the culture. And so if you think about it, if they, they, if they set for, if 70, for seven years they didn't celebrate the Sabbath, they didn't put aside one day in seven, seven years, that's one year of not doing the Sabbath, right? Well, what happened was they kept doing this for a long time. In fact, they did it for 490 years. They didn't celebrate the Sabbath. And then God said, okay. And what he did is he brought the Persians, and the Persians then took the, the uh, Israelites in captivity. Okay? So they couldn't work. And so guess how many years they were in captivity? 70 years. That's right. 70 years of Sabbath. They didn't celebrate. God said, okay, I'm going to get it back for me. Well, the other way it works, too, is that when we're generous, then God extends what we're doing. And so I remember my, our daughter got married last year, 
And so in kind of thinking and planning through the wedding, you know, she said, okay, what I want to do is I want to have a, like, a budget, like a kind of a minimal, like, outlay for, her, for the wedding, okay? It's my only daughter, and I'm thinking, okay, well, you don't have to do that. In fact, I told her, I said, you don't have to do that. I said, Where, where'd you get that idea? And she said, well, I got that idea from you, Dad. And I'm thinking, you got that idea from me? How did you get that idea from me? And she said, well, remember the thing, like, with the car? And so then I remembered something. Because we had, so there's Susan and I, and so we had two cars, and then something happened, we only had one car. And so, you know, it's like, okay, well, I could go out and charge a car, or, you know, buy it on credit or whatever, but I didn't do it. And so what happened was, we had one car, so I had to manage. So she saw me manage for a while, sharing the car with Sue and getting rides from people and all that. Uh, and then God opened up an opportunity, and I was able to, like, work with Chip, uh, Anderson, the late Chip Anderson, who knew a lot about strengths and spent time with him, and that was really fulfilling. But what happened in, during that time was um, God provided people that were generous to loan me their vehicles. And I remember one time, it was kind of interesting, uh, somebody said to, the, to me, you know, my extra car is like this BMW coupe. It was like brand new, okay? And they go, you need something, why don't you, you know, go ahead and take this. And okay, I can't believe I said this, but I told them no. And you know what the reason I told them no? It's because somebody else was loaning me their BMW coupe. Okay? And I, th I thought to myself, this is unbelievable. That would just be in my dreams to like have a BMW coupe. Okay, but I am getting the privilege of being able to drive the BMW coupe. In fact, I was so uncomfortable with it, the person that loaned it to me, I said, well, you know, you have a truck too. Can I... I should probably be driving the truck and not your brand new, BMW, brand new BMW. Okay, so God is a way of just like, just uh, again, in the circle of, of things, of generosity of things, he has a way of blessing you. You get to bless others and you get to be blessed by it. And so I'm thinking, okay, how does that work practically? And so it's, it's, the, uh, it's the Macedonians. It's here in the Macedonian church and it's like, it's right there. It says, they have been tested by great troubles, and they're very poor. Okay, so they've been going, undergoing something like we're going, undergoing, right? Lots of fallout, you know, your 401Ks, you know, not worth it what it was, was before. You're, you know, uh, lots of things going on. Uh, and it says they, were, they weren't just poor, they were very poor. Actually, I'm going to guess that they're probably in, in worse financial straits than, than we're, we are here. Okay, but what does it say about them? It says that they gave much because of their great joy. I can tell you that they gave as much as they were able and even more than that. No one told them to do it, but they begged and pleaded with us to let them share in this service of God's people. Okay, so they wanted to be generous. They were, in fact, they were begging to be generous and pleading to be generous. Okay, and so... so Think about that. There was a body of people that were begging to be generous. Okay, that is like, that's mind-blowing. Uh, and then it says that this, it says that um, uh, they gave as much as they were able. Okay, does that make sense, right? Whatever you're able to give, you give that. Okay, and then it says, and even more than they could afford Okay, how can somebody give more than they can afford? And it reminds me of my friend uh, Tom. So back in, uh, I can remember back when I was a college student. 
Okay, back in college shooting, I was at, uh, I was at, a, I was at a conference, um, Christian conference, and it was, it was uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and Friday night, they, had, they have an offering, and they want to tell you what it was, so they want you to pray about it for the whole weekend, and so they shared a giving project for an overseas worker. Okay, and then what they would do is on Sunday, you, you would go ahead and make a pledge, which you wanted, if you wanted to give whatever that was. And so uh, Saturday, a friend of mine, Tom, uh, he's from another campus, uh, he came up to me. And uh, so I knew Tom. Tom, uh, the year before, had been going to a small, private, prestigious university. And, uh, and then just through a series of things that were happening, uh, he became a follower of Christ, and he felt like he wanted to get more help. And so, he, so help was pretty far away, and so he decided that he would leave that school to go to a different school, uh, to go to a, a less prestigious public university. And so, uh, so he came up to me, and he said, uh, hey, Rick, he said, uh, hey, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. Uh, and he said, well, he said, you know, they, they announced this giving project, and uh, I've been praying about it, and this sum of money keeps coming to my mind. And he goes, I, I don't think it could be right because I don't have that sum of money. And, uh, and so I'm trying to figure out what to do. And so he's, so he's asking me, okay, Rick, you know, what do you recommend I should do? Okay. And uh, honestly, at that time, I, I wasn't really that comfortable because, I mean, there it was. I'm thinking to myself, okay, he doesn't have the money, and he's talking about a sum of money that's substantially more than he has so he's not going to be able to do that. So that would be like a pledge. And then on the other hand, it's like, well, uh, maybe God could provide that amount of money. So I don't want to tell him, I don't want to tell him, you know, yes, go ahead and do it. But I don't want to tell him, no, don't do it. You know what I mean? So I didn't exactly know what to tell him. So I told him, I said, well, I'm, you know, da 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 whatever. And so then uh, what happened is he said, okay, thank you very much. You know, so he's going to continue to pray about it. And so what happened then was, Sunday I saw him, and so it was time, you know, to decide what he was going to do, and uh, I saw him uh, as we were going home, and he said that he w- went ahead and he, he made that pledge. And so, okay, so then uh, I, don't, I didn't see Tom for a long time, I don't I think it's probably about a month, and so when I saw him, I was really interested if anything happened. And so I said, hey, Tom, I said, what, you know, did anything ever happen with that money that you pledged to, you know, that overseas worker? And he said, oh, 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 yeah, yeah. He said, uh, he said when, when I went to school, he said, there are two ladies that have been praying for, for the campus and so forth. And one of the ladies came up to me, and she had an envelope, and she handed me this envelope. And she said, God has been just speaking to me, and she said, I, I feel like he should give you the sum of money. And so he said, well, so she said, please open it up. So he said, I, he opened it up, he pulled out the cash, and he counted it up, and he said, it was exactly the amount of money that he pledged to the overseas worker. And then he said to me, and then she turned to me and she said this, because it was like, uh, the, it, was, it was in January. She said, uh, God has placed on my heart that I should pay for the rest of your tuition room and board till the end of the school year. And he said, you know, I didn't have any money to do that. And so what happened then is... Um, uh, God provided in a miraculous way for Tom, and he saw a specific answer to prayer. And because of what Tom did in stepping out for the Lord, um, what happened is that other people were encouraged. So what happened? Again, it was a circle of God's economy. So one person 
was generous and another person was blessed. And the person that was blessed, because they stepped out and uh, listened to God, they blessed other people because other people then were encouraged to step out and, uh, and listen to God. Yeah, I, I'm the kind of guy that, that I, I have a challenge with occasionally listening to my wife. You know, she, she's generally right, but I, I just assume, I guess, prove her right somehow by doing the, the opposite thing. And I realized that I, I treat the law almost the same way. You know, it, it says speed limit 55, and I, I thought, says who? And, and uh, you know, uh, this is an inanimate object, and so how does it know? And, and it does know because there's the law behind it. Um, if I say the phrase black and white fever, anybody know what that is? No? Oh, okay, let me tell you what, what people are thinking who drive a black and white. Uh, spent some time volunteering with the sheriff and, and uh, here locally in Whittier uh, uh, with PD. Black and white fever is when you see a cop and they know that you've seen them. You all of a sudden drive so carefully, you know, and, and, and it, it's, it's actually annoying to the officer in the car. Like, oh, gosh, black and white fever. Because they know that you're trying to avoid getting a ticket. And they're probably not going to give you a ticket no matter what you do. They're just not in the mood for it that day. Or maybe it, traffic is not their patrol that day. You know, that's not their focus. And so uh, black and white fever is when you so carefully obey the law. And which is funny to me is that uh, we, we appreciate the law when it works in our favor. But we wish to suspend it at times when we don't want it to work. You know, for example, gravity is going to work no matter what, period. You cannot count on it sometimes, like, hey, I'm going to toss this down to you. Um, but you're in an airplane, you don't want gravity to work that way. You know, you just don't want it to happen that way. We like the idea of, of moving and, and doing, living our lives, but we wish at times to suspend the laws that are in the universe. They just are. You don't have to be a follower or believer in God. The laws of the universe are still going to work the same way for you. So there's laws that seem to govern our emotional health, our spiritual health, the way that we live our lives, and certainly uh, the idea of generosity. It, it, you don't have to step into a moment with God to, to, to recognize or experience the benefits of a generous life. And you can be a believer in God and experience the consequences of the negative effect of living a life that's not generous. So... Um, as I thought about this further, I recognize, and some of you have, have, have been exposed to these ideas from the character matrix, that generosity is the opposite of greed. You move from greed into places of gratitude, to places of wholeness, and then you can live a generous life. And I think one of the ways out of that moment of greed, and, and see, you know, I don't think anybody would ever call themselves a greedy person. How many here are greedy? You know, you know, I'm not even gonna raise my hand, man. You know, that's how greedy I am. I'm gonna show it to you. Um, <laughs> Because, you know, that's just an ugly term. So let, let me maybe re, re, rephrase it. Generosity is actually the polar opposite of fear. Okay? Generosity, polar opposite of fear. Because it, the fear in my life will keep me and limit me. And so the fear that I have for my life sometimes, when I find that I'm not generous with my time, when I'm not generous with my emotional relationships, when I'm not generous with my spirituality or with my physical resources, here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid I'm not going to have enough. I'm afraid I'm not going to have enough. Have you ever found yourself saying, you know, a person calls you, it's, it's late or it's way too early or it's way too late. You, you know, and you have that decision to make because the caller ID is working. Do you send it to voicemail or do you let it ring as if you didn't hear it or do you answer the phone? 
And, and sometimes you know that some of the decision-making process is that, oh, I gotta get up in the morning. I need my sleep. Or I gotta get, do this, I need, you know. Or if I offer that person that ride, I'm gonna lose time. It's gonna, be, it's gonna take me out of my way. Or you know, if, if I give the, the, this money to this organization or this group, I'm not gonna be able to buy my donuts or my Starbucks, you know. And, is life gonna be worth living if I can't have Starbucks, you know? It's always fear. Fear will, will limit our life. And what you fear will put the boundaries down on the ground as to where your life will be as a person. And this is why I think the scriptures have a, have a, have a unique mystical way of saying that when I fear the Lord, it's not this cringing moment, but that I respect and understand who he is and since he is without limits, he is the being that's connected to everything and everyone all at once, then he becomes my limits, which is huge. It's much, much more different than my own fears. I find that, that fear ends up becoming my own prison that I created myself. And, and generosity isn't some kind of key that I open the door with. See, this is the mistake some of you are going to make. You realize, I have this character flaw, so let me start living like a generous person. But I'm going to say to you that at this point, when you have to intentionally remind yourself, you're almost pretending at some level. And you can only keep that going for so long because you're not that person. It starts way back with the idea of fear. What am I afraid of? What am I afraid of losing? What am I concerned about that I may not have enough? Why am I trying to save my life? And Jesus has a, a powerful word to those of us, no matter where we are in our journeys with, with him, no matter what you're processing. He has a huge, powerful word for us. And let me, let me set up the story. We're going to go to Matthew 16, verse 25. Uh, Jesus has told his students that his life is going to come to a very powerful negative end. In their estimation, it's a horrible end. And so Peter, his, one of his primary students and a very, very close friend, says, no, that's, not, that's just not how it's going to happen. You know, Rabbi, you're mistaken. And so Jesus starts to correct him. And this is where he plants this teaching, this idea about how we live our lives. 16, verse 25, is this Peter, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will find it. What's amazing to me is that often the very life that we hope to live and we want to be, we think we have to hoard our resources, our emotions, our time, our financial resources, our, our cars, our home, because we I want to live a certain life. So I need to hang on to these things. And the odd thing about God's economy, and I think as Rick was pointing this out, it's not a, a fixed amount, it's not a pie, where once you take a slice out, then there's left for everybody else. There's a sort of a circular aspect to it. And there's a flow to it, there's a jet stream to it. And so once I step into that flow, I become part of this movement that seems to bless others, and I get in, in return and am helped as well. I recall when Lily and I were first married in those, back in the 80s, you know, we were kind of broke and tight and, and we were looking for a house to rent and we, at the time we were hosting a, a Bible study in our home that had about, I don't know, 25, 30 people. Some of you who are here remember that time. Uh, you were much younger and uh, littler then. Uh, cuter, too. And, um, and so we were looking for a house to, to rent that, that, we were, we, that would have a room large enough for that. And, and, you know, it was one of those things where we looked and, and, and there were places much cheaper and nicer. And, and, but we knew that we, we were committed to having a home if God would give us a place 
that was, that was comfortable and whatever, you know, all that, that we wanted it to be a place where others could also receive some sort of comfort, that, that they would benefit by our home, that our, our home was not just about my family. I mean, it was primarily my, my family. I mean, we needed bedrooms and a bathroom and a kitchen, that kind of thing, you know. But we also wanted it to be a place that others could come and, and they would, you know, connect to God in, in different places. And so we found a place um, beyond what we imagined we could uh, afford, and uh, we ended up being able to buy that home as well. And that was another, um, you know, great thing that happened. It was a surprise to us that we were able to pull it together. It's just, it's just um, over and over again, whether or not you step into a moment with God, whether or not you have that intention that I'm going to be this way because I'm a God follower, you never lose. Listen to me carefully. You never lose by living a generous life. It's, it's just like a law in the universe. It's just how things work. You may not want it to work that way, but it works that way. Now, for those of us who are calling ourselves followers of Jesus and we wish to imitate his lifestyle and practice his teachings, you have to hear what he's saying to you, that the more you try to hang on and save your life, the less you're going to get. And so the life that you want to live, perhaps the life you begin to see for yourself and the life that you imagine for yourself, that life happens as you begin to give away the life that you currently have and allow God to release you from the fears of having to hang on to it. You know, actually though, you know what, I'm gonna take a few moments here, maybe a quick Q&A, and Rick, why don't you come up here for a second? Um, we don't have all the answers, but we can pretend. And so, um, is there a question, or maybe a, 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 um, a comment, maybe a response back? You know, this is, this is your moment. Don't send me an angry email later, okay? If you, if you, this is your shot right now. So if you have maybe a question or a comment, we can see if we can process it together here as a community. Patrick. Um, so I appreciate you reading, reading out of the Old Testament, but do you think that's a little biased because he was punishing them for not giving, right? But we don't practice the Sabbath in today's culture, but we're not punished for that the ways that they were punished. So if we're not punished for practice, not practicing the Sabbath, are we punished for not giving? Or are you saying it's only a good thing if we give? Or, I just wonder how that works out between the two different responses from God. Okay, so I don't know. There are different kind of thoughts going through my head. Uh, so let's just let's talk about uh, let's talk about tithe. Okay, what is tithe? Tithe is ten percent. Okay, so what happens is we're giving back ten percent of what? Actually, we're giving 10, 10% of our time. Because really, what money is, money represents how much time, right? Mm -hmm. This is how much I've earned. Okay, so um, we're not punished for things, but there's a law in the universe. The law is in uh, Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Okay, so what, really what that says is whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. So if you sow generosity, you, you, you reap generosity. If you, you know, are not generous, then you're not going to be able to reap that. Okay, that's what God says his law is. And sometimes what happens is we, the reason we don't see that or understand it is because his law operates on different time intervals. So sometimes what happens is you, you're sowing, but you actually don't reap until way later time. So you might be getting the benefits right now of things that you did, you did 10 years ago. But we don't link that together. And so it's hard for us to kind of see how they, it operates. And that's why the Bible talks about stepping out in 
in faith. The faith, it's doing things that you actually don't see, right? You're hoping for it, it's the invisible. So um, that's driving us back to Scripture to find out, okay, what are the cause and effects in Scripture? And we can see when there's, we do something and there's immediate action, we can see that. But we don't necessarily see it on longer. And so that's the whole thing about wisdom and coming to, you know, we talked about that, yes, right? right? Being able to see things. Correct. That's, that's the idea of wisdom, is just knowing that my decisions I make right now have a consequence in the future. But Patrick, you know, I, I, let, let, me, let me turn that question a little bit on you, that, that this is not, I, our culture does actually have a Sabbath idea. I mean, the fact that we have Sundays is a result of Christianity influencing our Western culture. I, I'm not a Sunday sacred, oh my gosh, this is the Sabbath kind of guy, but I do believe that what God was trying to help his people understand is that if he didn't, you know, um, let's say require, and I know this language sometimes is a little bit of, you know, uncomfortable for us, you know, laws, rule, authority, God, put, you know, commands, but if he didn't require the nation to have this mindset to take a day off, is what he's saying, that they would have worked themselves to death and would have maybe had their priorities skewed. So it wasn't that, you know, God's this needy prima donna, you know, like an ex-girlfriend sort of thing in the sky, you know, I need you to worship me, come on, you know, crying <laughs> mascara. But, but what, what's happening is that he's saying, look, uh, take a day off. I want you to understand it, that in the end, I know that you work, but it's me that actually brings your, your, your health and your benefits. So come hang out at my house and we'll, let's connect, let's talk, and just take physical time off and emotional time off and invest with your family and enjoy life. And I, I think all of us, um, those of us that have to wear a uniform or, or a coat and tie to go to work, we've talked about this, you and I, sometimes. The first thing I do when I get home is I have to take those clothes off. It, it helps when I'm in the house first. And so Lily has reminded me about that. But I'll take those clothes off and take a shower and change into different clothes. And I feel like mentally I've turned off from my job and I can focus on, 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 my, on my life here and my life with my family and, and that kind of thing. So I okay. see that effect. So now it reminds me that there's actually a principle there. Yes. Okay, and the principle has to do with, okay, we know this in terms of exercise. Mm -hmm. Like if you're going to train for a marathon, you don't run every day. Or if you're working out, you don't run every day. You need recovery. Correct. Okay, so when you stop and you have the Sabbath, you actually can perform better than otherwise. And we know that in terms of even workaholics. We know that if you take a break at work or a couple of breaks, you actually, your productivity goes up. Or in, in larger, the, the vacation time. A lot of employers used to allow you to, um, to buy your vacation time, they would pay you out. And you can, some of you are probably capable of doing that for two or three years in a row, but there, there hits a point, you hit a ceiling where you, you begin to not only stop being productive in terms of growing as a, as a career, but you begin to lose ground as well. And so, uh, so the, even the idea of God like being so concerned about the ground um, for those of you who perhaps who have been exposed to agricultural rules and guidelines, there is a time to let your land rest for it to be able to produce a crop. You can't year after year produce the same crop or you rotate uh, what you're growing for the ground to respond differently. So it's, I think the best way to think of the Sabbath, Rick, that's a good idea, is it's, it's recovery. It's not like I demand your time, it's, it's recovery for our souls and our bodies. Um, I had to I had to move out of my house, and so it was like the economy is really hitting. You know, my my practice um, I've gone probably about thirty percent down, and um, I just all, all of a sudden I had to move. So it was like, wow, you know, what, what am I going to do? How am I going to get this together? So a bunch of my friends got together, and they were like hosting a fundraiser, I'm just like with the first and last, sure. coming with all that money at once. It was kind of a shock, hmm. and that was hard for me. 
Um, this month I've given out several hundred dollars in gift certificates to organizations for fundraisers and such. Um, but the receiving part is harder for me. Is that like not practicing godly principles by... I don't have a hard time giving, I have a hard time... Yeah, I think that all of us have a hard time receiving. And part of, I guess, uh, us being in a position to receive, because I mean, you know, we, I think we, God puts us in those positions, is to understand that there are two parts of the equation, right? And that we could actually then understand maybe more of the power that we have when we're in a position to be generous of how that actually impacts people. Because, mm -hmm. you know, you know how you, you know, we all know how we felt when we had needs and some people ministered to us. So really, to me, it's like a preparation for the next stage of when, you know, of the power that you're going to have behind generous generosity. And you're going to actually have a more sensitive um, attitude towards people. You're going to probably notice more in terms of people that are in need. That's what I would guess. And so that will enable you to expand your generosity. Yeah, I have to agree with Rick that um, um, it, it's cool to receive when you know you can reciprocate. It's, it's a quite another thing when, when you're receiving and it's, um, you know, uh, you're just in the place of need. And, and uh, you know, I, my wife and I have been there. And uh, uh, I just, I, I love the way, Rick, you said that because it's, it's very, very true. It, it just heightens our sensitivity. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of folks who have had troubled times because I've been in those moments. And um, so I, I really think that's really more of God's promise to you. And I, I am... I'm not abandoning, I, I, I haven't forgotten. I'm actually shaping you to enlarge you. See, and I could, I could feel uh, that God has, God has touched you in terms of what's happened. I, I sense that, I feel that. And I know then that when you, you know, when you serve other people that you're gonna have a, a power there that is gonna be much greater than before. Hey, uh, one last one, yeah, Darlene. thing that comes to my mind was a whole, there was a kind of the idea in the New Testament where what somebody, their animal fell in a ditch and they're, they're not supposed to take it out because it's work. Okay. Okay, so we'll just think about it. Okay, what, you know, you get in definition of what is work. Okay, what can I do? And so what happens then is the rules then impede upon what God wants you to do, right? See, I think one thing is God gave the Old Testament rules because people didn't have really parameters and understanding in terms of how things are supposed to work. Okay, so then what happens is then people are very rule conscious and you're not supposed to do this, you're not supposed to do that, and that's kind of the way it operated you know, when we come to the New Testament. Then Jesus comes and he talks about the fact that, okay, yeah, it's not about the external rules. There's something deeper 
that goes underneath that. So what is it? What, so we're trying to understand what the principle is. Okay, so that's why it's like, okay, is it ties or is it generosity? What, you know, what he was referring to. And so part of it then is, okay, what's, I think God wants us to go deeper in terms of the, what's the principle behind that? And the principle behind that is that honestly, we don't even think about God uh, unless we actually, you know, there's something that it says, okay, take some time and think about it. Now, the other thing is we have God dwelling in our hearts, okay? And so we have a connection with God that they didn't have. And so are we making available and are we connecting to God like we're supposed to? So just think about that. So if, to, if this week, if I just said, okay, God, you've connected to me. What is it that you want me to do? How should I live my life? Is there someone that you want me to talk to? Is there someone that, to be gener- that I can be generous to? And thinking about what the power that he's given us to live the life out. It transcends the rules. Well, remember, it wasn't Sunday, and I think every, I think, yeah, I think it's every day. This is why I'm not weirded out by Sunday, you know. So, um, uh, I mean, some folks, perhaps because of their work schedule, perhaps Saturday uh, gatherings, that, you know, like we do in South Bay, that is the time that people go to gatherings. I, I met a pastor who uh, started a church in Ventura, which is a huge surf community, and so a lot of young guys and girls go out surfing, and you know, early Sunday morning. So. In his head, well, it made sense to have a gathering on Saturday afternoons. The place exploded. Within 10 years, though, those young people, of course, grew up, fell in love, got married, had babies. So what had to happen? Saturday gathering became nothing, and so they moved to Sunday. So I, I don't think it's the day. And this is where we can then marginalize our beliefs, like, oh, okay, well, I'm keeping this day very sacred and holy, and I, I, I'm not perhaps God-conscious you know, the rest of the week. It's every day. And, but I think there's something to the principle, the idea of having a day off where I may be recovering from physical labor and spending a little bit more intentional time with, with family and friends because then that also emotional and spiritual recovery and, and then the, the time intentionally with God because that's spiritual recovery. So I, I understand why God gave the principle to help these people figure him out and be governing of folks. But as Rick was just saying a moment ago, there's actually a principle behind it. It's the principle that you want to focus on, not the rule. Thank you for listening to this production by Mosaic Whittier, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org.